On today's episode of Tube Talk, we're going to be discussing the five principles that Scott Simpson used to grow his channel to over 300,000 subscribers and then replicated similar success using the exact same principles for his clients' channels. If you want to know what these principles are and how you can apply this formula to your channel, well, this is the episode for you. Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. All right. Welcome to another episode. My name is Liron Segev. I am a tech blogger, a YouTuber just like you, and the director of customer success here at vidIQ, where every day I help creators big and small achieve their next level of success on YouTube with strategies, more subscribers, more views in less time. Scott, so much value to add today. Very excited to have you in the studio. Let's do this. Uh, yeah, thank you, Liron. I'm looking forward to talking to you today. Give us the quick five-second overview. Who is Scott Simpson? I am the the Scott part of the channel, Scott and Camber. And uh, we've been on YouTube four and a half years. We have, um, we have just about 300,000 subscribers on our main channel. We've got a few other channels. So o- overall, we're... We're in the mid 300,000s in subscribers overall, uh, over 100 million views. And we've been, we love YouTube. I mean, it, obviously everybody knows it has its fair share of ups and downs, but ultimately what other business can you be in that provides a passive source of income that you can do by focusing on making video that you're passionate about, hanging out with your family or your friends or whoever. You're a family vlogger, which is, yes. you know, you've taken two of the, I'm going to say an inverted comment, worst industry being vlogging and family. And he decided to say, Hey, both of them are difficult by themselves. Let's merge them together and see what comes out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Not the smartest idea. You know, if I, if I could go back in time, there are definitely a lot of things that I would change with the way that we started and, and how we built our channel, but you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda, I can't do anything about it. So now we're, you know, we, we, we have to be flexible with what YouTube, um, you know, what they, what they bring out, what the changes they, they produce, mm-hmm. what, you know, all of the things that they're constantly switching around on us. We, we've got to be, we've got to roll move. with the punches, roll with the punches. Exactly. All right. So before we get into those five things, um, you hit an interesting point. You said, if I could do this over, I would do, would you do something different? <laughs> yeah, actually, I would have I would have stayed in my lane from the beginning. I know that's one of the five points. I I, I would have I would have stuck with what I started with, which which was more of the motivational side of things. Because when I when I got on YouTube, I did it because I at the time I was doing motivational speaking. My wife and I had just written a book. We were out promoting it, taking it to different organizations, and. And so when I got on YouTube, I guess it was almost five years ago when I said, I think it may have been over five years ago when I started doing motivational stuff on YouTube. But I started by, by basically giving motivational speeches on YouTube. And I built my, my first 1,000 subscribers were, were built from doing motivational stuff. And then one thing led to another, and we decided to kind of jump on the, the family uh, vlog bandwagon because we wanted to, we were doing a lot of things as a family. We wanted to record and mm-hmm. save what we were doing with our, with our kids. And so we kind of transitioned to family, but if I could go back in time, I think that I would have, I would have tried to have stuck with motivational on 
that channel and maybe right. done family vlogging on a separate channel. Okay. So I think that's a good segue into five principles that have got you to where you got today. And not only got you, but it's the five principles that you use to do this for your clients and people that you consult to. And we probably hit on the first one, which is number one is staying in your lane. What do you mean by that? So staying in your lane is really like just taking the category, what you are a specialist of and and promoting only that as your uh, as your main topic or category on YouTube. So what happens with family vlogging channels, or or at least what used to be the case, was that you used to take a family uh, a family channel and you could do a wide range of things in mm-hmm. that under that category. So the, the the main category was family channel, but then each of your videos could be, I mean, you could do a million different things on that channel right. um, under that category. And what happened was YouTube kind of refined their uh, their algorithm over the last few years. And family channels, uh, you can no longer have a gajillion different things you're doing under the category family. You have to do one thing really, really well in order for the algorithm to uh, yep. to like you. And so we found that out last year um, when all, all of our views started to tank. And... Um, and the trend for families was then to convert and do more gaming style things like Hello Neighbor or Granny's uh, Gonna Get You or Sardines or, you know, Tag or playing any of these games that you would play as kids, but doing it as a family. And so the channels that are doing that now have become very successful. We, on the other hand, decided we, we didn't really want to follow that bandwagon. And so over the last few months, we've been refining what it is that we want to offer the, our audience and um, that, that kind of puts mm-hmm. us in one lane. But, it, but to kind of um, you know, go off of that, uh, each of my clients that I work with, uh, that is, I mean, that is our strategy. It's like, nope, stick with what you know. And we're going to double down, triple down, quadruple down on the <laughs> things that are successful. And we're going to build your channel around one topic or one category. It's been very successful. Okay, so, so let, let's kind of dissect this a little bit further. Um, sure. you know, you're right. I mean, in the olden days of YouTube, which wasn't that long ago, but you know, for us, it's eternity, <laughs> the algorithm keeps changing. And the olden days of YouTube was that you as a creator could basically create multiple forms of content under one umbrella, under your channel. You could do a gadget today, a car tomorrow, um, you know, gaming the next day, and YouTube would love every one of those videos and they'll be fine. Are you saying that variety, even for family vloggers, seem to have gone the kind of by way of the dinosaurs, and now it's more of you got it to just the one thing? Yes, yeah, to an extent. So if I'm telling somebody who is just beginning on YouTube, who's just started their channel, launched their channel, and they're thinking, okay, what am I going to put out tomorrow? Mm-hmm. I would say until you're until you have established a base audience of um, of people who are watching you, I would say you stick with one thing. Once you get into the hundreds of thousands, millions of subscribers and your, your daily views are in the hundreds of thousands or millions, then you can, you can start to branch out a little bit and do more of a variety because you have a community, a core community of people that's large enough that will follow you wherever you go, whatever you do. But then again, if you start to deviate too much, then YouTube what we've found is that YouTube will not promote those videos even to your core audience 
and so again, it's it's kind of it's kind of finicky, and you've got to you you really have to test it. So it's the the safest thing to do is to is to carve out your little your little niche of YouTube mm-hmm. and focus exclusively on that for at least for for a good long while. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of fear of people saying, "Well, I don't want to do one thing forever." Well, it's not one thing forever. It's more of one thing for now. Once your audience loves you and engages with you and wants to know about you, then you can bring your audience in on a different kind of trip, different kind of content, but you've got to get there first. Um, I think the famous kind of case which I always go by is Peter McKinnon. Peter McKinnon, for those who don't know, well, for the three people who don't know, people, um, he kind of grew very, very fast on YouTube. And the secret to his success essentially boiled down to he was initially doing vlogging and telling him about his day. And that was like, okay-ish. People like loved him and that was fine. But where he really blew up, where he stopped that, he just did tutorials, how-to tutorials. And people love those because now I'm getting value. I don't care about this Peter guy, but I care about learning new skills. But he did so many tutorials going to Scott's point about staying within your lane. He did so many tutorials, so many tutorials. People just naturally kind of just came back to him again and again and again. And once they did that, they started recognizing him and loving him. And then he had a big enough audience. Now he could do whatever he wants. He could literally launch a video with a semicolon as the title and it will still get a million views because people yeah. just love him. So exactly. On your experience, you said you also mentioned something that a lot of the family vloggers went towards the gaming direction, the gaming route. You guys decided not to do that. Was there a specific reason for that? Did it not fit in with what you wanted to do? What was the reason you didn't follow suit like everybody else did? Yeah, well, you know, in our experience of trying it, we we did we did actually really well with some of the games that we incorporated onto our channel. But it started to feel like we were uh, like we were chasing numbers. And uh-huh. the original reason that we started doing family vlog was to record our experiences and record our life. And so as soon as we, we started feeling like we were chasing numbers it, and, it, and it began to feel like we were uh, at like a, a typical job, that's when we're like, is this worth it? Mm, not really. Mm-hmm. And, and it was creating some tension in our, in our family. Like the kids, you know, they didn't always like doing the games and my wife and I didn't always like doing the games. And so like, you know what? This isn't worth it. We're going to, right. we're going to figure out what our niche is. Um, by, uh, you know, by testing some things and then doing something that we actually really enjoy to do. And, and actually, yeah, right now we're, we're, um, we're in the midst. We're, we're converting our channel to, be, to have a, more of a music focus because that's something that all of our family likes to do is to sing and create music videos. And we've had some success with it on our channel. Uh, you know, in our time as, of being a variety channel, we did a lot of different things and music was one of the things that stood out and was successful. So mm-hmm. we're going to... We're going to double down and focus on music. Well, and that's, that's, that's a great point as well. It's when it feels like a job and the family doesn't want to do it and you don't want to do it and you're not motivated, well, then you've got to really question why you're doing this in the first place. And it seems like you guys did some soul searching, even though with the big success of that huge numbers on your channel, maybe you needed to go a different directions now because it just felt like chasing yet another view, chasing yet another subscriber and that doesn't get you excited in the morning exactly exactly okay so lesson number one stay in your lane 
do not chase the new shiny object. If it doesn't fit naturally within your content, maybe it's not for you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so lesson number one, stay in your lane. What is lesson number two? Lesson number two is uh, diversify your income. Ooh. And <laughs> Liron, you, you remember the days when everything was really stable on YouTube and you would get, uh, you get that, you could pretty much predict what you were going to earn that year just based off of what you made last year. Well, those days have really gone out the window. <laughs> and, uh, um, because, and it's, it's so strange because even from uh, one month to the next month, you could have these wild swings and views and, and AdSense revenue. And I have an idea of why a lot of that's going on. The big thing here is for people who are new or even who are just starting to earn checks um, or who have earned them for a while, make sure that you're diversifying where your income is coming in from. Uh, I just started a new channel. Um, I partnered with, uh, with a business on a channel. And, um, and we are one of the only channels that I think we are the only channel that is doing our topic as actively as we're doing it. And we're, we're still not monetized yet, but we, we have a couple hundred dollars in sales from, um, from our efforts. And uh, we're really, our main focus in launching that channel was to drive leads to products and leads to the business. And we did that within the first week. And so automatically we're earning an income from launch on this channel and we're not even monetized through YouTube. So my, my whole goal was to earn most of the income from this channel uh, outside of AdSense through brand deals, through, um, uh, through product sales, uh, through lead gen, things like that. And, and so I would highly advise most people who are getting on YouTube to try and do the same thing. Think of a product that you can sell and sell it from the beginning. Uh, try and, and talk to brands early. Most companies now understand the power of influencer marketing. And so they're willing to deal with micro influencers, whether it be with product sales uh, or, or with a uh, affiliate type of program or with just product trade for, for video time. Um, most brands now realize that's the power of YouTube and social video. So it's, it's easy to have those conversations with brands, but the whole point is really to diversify and not just rely on YouTube uh, exclusively for your income. Okay. So, I mean, the, the, there was, there was quite a lot coming at us fast and furious in that. Diversified <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I talk about this stuff all day long. So it's like, boom, boom, boom. I can hit all these points. So yeah, let's break it down. So let's break it up. So I mean, let's, let's delve in. So the first thing you said is that don't just rely on YouTube. And, and by that, I'm assuming you mean the AdSense. Yes, that is absolutely a goal you should be aiming for, but it shouldn't be the only goal that you're aiming for. So Scott, you said you've launched a new channel. You didn't worry about YouTube ads. You didn't worry about monetization because your channel was set up from the beginning to monetize elsewhere. Correct. Okay, so what, what could we learn from this? If I have already have a channel, I'm kind of on my way to the 4,000 hours, I'm on my way to be monetized. How could I think about an income, not just from ads? Yeah, so it really depends on the, the niche that you're in. You know, and, and I can go through some, you know, some different categories. If you want to throw some categories at me, play a little game. We have a lot of people who are in the health niche, for example. So okay. I've got a health channel. I talk about nutrition. What, what should I be doing? 
Oh yeah, awesome. Okay, so there's a couple of things you could do on the health side. Uh, you can create a recipe book, a digital recipe book itself for $9.99. And as soon as you launch your channel, just always be pointing people to a link in the description that says, if you want my recipe book, I've got it for sale on my website, $9.99, and you're going to get all these amazing recipes. Or a fitness guide, you know, some type of a, a workout plan that you can sell free mm -hmm. for a couple of dollars. Even if it's 99 cents, you know, that's better than nothing. You're not going to be earning anything until you have 4,000 hours of watch time and uh, 1,000 subscribers. Um, okay, I, um, good. Yeah, lots of, okay, what's next? Give me another one. Okay, so let's do another one. Let's do, I'm a car enthusiast. I love talking about cars. What, how, I mean, I obviously can't create a car book. What else could I do? So that's where I would reach out to, um, uh, like if, if you're into, let's say you're into body kits, you know, and you want to deck out your car, like in Fast and Furious, and your, your whole channel is about that type of thing. Then you start linking to websites and have yourself, Get yourself on an affiliate program and so every sale that you make um, of some um, uh, I don't know what they call it, runner running lights or something like that you know you you earn 10% of that sale uh, that's a really wow. simple way to earn income from, from so, like so let's, let's unpack the affiliates a little bit more because I think this applies to literally every single category that I can think of so if you're if you have if you talk about stuff and that's a technical term if you talk about stuff things you know anything on your channel that's a physical product or or an ebook or an electronic product or service, you could essentially make money from that by linking out to something like an Amazon website or the company site. And for every time somebody clicks on that link and buys something, you'll get a commission. You'll get some sort of a referral fee. Um, I do this with products and services. I do this with physical goods on my tech channel, and. You know, it's not big money. It's a little bit. But you know what? It's better than zero. And little money grows to big money, especially when it's a lot of this passive income. You know, the nice thing about an affiliate is that it's just a natural progression. If I'm talking about a specific product, if Scott's showing this new electric skateboard that he's got and he's riding it all over town, people are going to say, oh, that's pretty cool. I'd like to get one. Where can I get more information? It's natural to go click. So if Scott's selling them to his affiliate site, and as long as he's disclosing that in his terms and conditions and he's in the about section, as long as he's disclosing it, an affiliate is really, really a good, good way for pretty much every single niche, I would say. I can't think of a single one that actually wouldn't work with some sort of an affiliate program. Yeah. Well, and, and on top of everything you just said, Liron, um, most affiliate programs will, will install a cookie uh, on on the the person who clicked on the link's computer, and so so like with Amazon, there's a 24 hour cookie that's installed on their computer. So anything that they buy on Amazon within 24 hours of clicking your link, you get credit for. And there are some there are some affiliates that are like 30 days where they'll have a 30 day cookie installed on the computer, and uh, so anything they buy within 30 mm. days, you'll get you'll get credit for. So it's like affiliates are just they're amazing if you do it right. How times have changed. In the olden days, we used to knock on a brand's door and explain to them what influencer marketing, explain to them what YouTube can do. The common perception is, unless I have a million subscribers or unless I've got 100,000 subscribers, I'm not big enough. They're never going to talk to me. Um, you know, why should I even bother? Is that true? No, in fact, it's, um, I, I think that it's, it's 
opposite. It's like brands almost like to work with micro influencers more than they like to work with bigger influencers. Sure. Let's just define what, what is, what is a micro influencer? I would say micro influencer is anybody that's maybe under 50,000 subscribers, maybe even lower than maybe under 20,000 subscribers. Um, But in other words, not, not huge, not massive, not massive. Um, and you know, they're, they're not the, so like, for example, when they work with somebody who has a million subscribers, um, they're the the kind of the rule of thumb. I'm I'm totally going to butcher this, but (laughs) basically I think it's, it's $10,000 for a hundred thousand views. So that's kind of the rule of thumb when you're doing brand deals with big companies. If you can get, if you can get a hundred thousand views for, a brand, then you should be charging about $10,000 for that brand deal. And so a lot of the times the brands will be like, okay, well we can work with, with uh, 10 people. If we have a hundred thousand dollar budget, we can work with 10, 10 people who get us a hundred thousand views, or we can work with a hundred people who could probably get us just as many views, but we only have to spend $50,000 instead of a hundred thousand dollars. So there's, there's a lot of, you know, there's kind of a lot of, finagling around with brands and brand deals, but brands, they like micro influencers just as much as they like big influencers because a lot of the times they're just easier to work with. I also find that micro influencers are actually hungrier, if I can say that, to, you know, they want to please the brand. So even though the contract says one video, three social media posts, they might do one video and 20 social media posts because they want to over deliver. So the brand wins, they look good. They want to work with them again. And it's about building that long-term, that, that long-term relationship. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But it's all about the purchasing power, which leads us on to topic number three, understanding <laughs> your audience purchase power, because why should brands work with you? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I would say even more, more than understanding your audience purchase power is, is to develop your audience purchase power. And so when you're just to explain audience purchase power is how, how much authority do you have when you're promoting a product uh, to get your audience to click on the button and actually purchase that product. And, and so there are a lot of different ways to track that data Um, and again, this is, this kind of goes back to affiliate links. Like one of the other things that affiliate links are awesome about is tracking data and tracking links and link clicks and all of that awesome information. And so like with Amazon, I can track how many people, uh, or where the, the sales are coming from, how many link clicks I'm getting. And, and then I can establish a, um, a kind of a percentage of my audience that is actually clicking on things and purchasing things and, you know, refine it down that far. So if you can set it up from the beginning, set your channel up from the beginning to be promoting products um, and, and then gauge or, or collect the data and create an average of how many people are purchasing products off of the links that you're providing, then you've established your purchasing power and your authority. And that is what's most enticing to a brand. That way, when you go to a brand, you can say, Hey, I have an average of this many clicks, this many purchases off the products that I promote on my channel. 
and this is how much I charge because of that. Then you can really start to establish yourself as somebody who should be taken seriously and somebody who knows what they're talking about. Now, when we're talking about building purchase power, um, the best way to build purchase power is by promoting things that you are 100% passionate about. Because if you just take every crazy brand deal that comes your way and you're like, hey guys, check this out, <laughs> check this out, I got this, I got that, then your purchasing power is going to be minuscule because people don't want the junk that you're pushing on them. But if you're promoting XYZ camera that has been amazing and these are the 15 reasons that I love it and check this out, I was able to do this and this and this and this, then you're going to have more people who are going to want to purchase that camera based off of your testimonial or your review than you would off of the pieces of junk products that you're just throwing out there to try and get clicks on. So um, yeah, understanding and developing purchase power is massive. Which does segue us beautifully into point number four. So having a long-term mentality, what do you mean by that? Well, uh, for anybody who's in the process of, you know, either they've started or they've been at it for a couple of years and they haven't seen much success or, or they've, you know, they've been at it for six months and they've seen massive success. Um, YouTube is a, it's, it's a marathon. It's not the, you know, it's not the 100. It's mm -hmm. like you, you've got to be prepared to be in this for the long haul. If you want to be massively successful, if you want to, uh, to be the next, Jake or Logan Paul. Well, hope, hopefully, not <laughs> hopefully not. Paul. Yeah. But, <laughs> but if, if you want to be the next Peter McKinnon, right. like you got to have a long-term mentality with it. And, um, and that just means, you know, I, I, I uh, Roberto, Roberto Blake last year at video marketing world, he said, don't even look at your analytics or, you know, really anything until you have a hundred views or sorry, not a hundred views, a hundred videos up. And, um, he wasn't, he, he didn't mean that. I don't think he meant that like a hundred percent literally, but right. the mentality for us is like, especially when you're first starting a channel is to put one video up and be like, why aren't people watching? Well, you know, the, the algorithm doesn't work that way. It's not right. like the old days when you could post a video and maybe it would just get picked up on the homepage and go super viral. That's not how it works anymore. You have to put in the legwork now and you've got to do all of the right optimization things on the back end you got to have a good thumbnail you've got to do the mm -hmm. seo on the back um and then you have to be you have to work at it for a few weeks before you start to pick up any traffic from the algorithm and so the, the whole premise of or the whole idea of i'm gonna get on youtube i'm gonna make 10 videos and be super famous it's just not not the case anymore unless you're bringing a, a massive audience over from instagram or or from Snapchat, or from another platform. TikTok or um, one of those. Yeah, yeah. TikTok, yeah. So you have to put in the work. You've got to put in the legwork. You've got to put in the time. There's no instant success anymore. Um, those very, 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 very few channels that will blow up massively, they're either making amazing content that nobody's ever seen before, or they've got access to something nobody has. But for the majority of us, it's about putting one video and simply getting a little bit better, and doing the next video and getting a little bit better and doing the next video. As our friend Evan Carmichael says, the only way to suck less is just to do more. 
And there's another, there's kind of another trend too that I've noticed with a lot of beginning YouTubers is that they'll post a video, they won't get the results. Then they'll get on Facebook and um, go into these, these groups and be like, Hey, what, what's going on with my channel? What's wrong with this? Why, why isn't it working? I hate YouTube. I'm going to quit YouTube. This is terrible. No, but they're not giving me any views. And the whole thing, like you just said, Lee, Ron, is that, and this is what I tell every single one of my clients is stop focusing on this video and just start working on the next one because Every day is another day to put more real estate, to put more content on YouTube and have another opportunity for success. So stop focusing on the dud and start focusing on the next one that you, that has the potential of being the winner. And if you have that mentality, you know, we've, we've produced over 900 videos. <clears throat> you have that mentality and you will eventually get there. Yeah, I well, mean, and you don't know what's going to take off later. I mean, yeah. we often, often, often have seen something that we've thought was an absolute dud and didn't work out. And we went, oh, well, shrug your shoulder, get a little bit upset, and then move on. And then months, months, and even years later, that same topic has just become a hot item. People are searching for that topic. Your video has been there forever. And now it just starts to pop. So something that you did once, which you thought was a dud, could actually be one of your best performing videos two, three years later, you just never know which way YouTube is going to, is going to turn. And then Scott, you talk as the fifth principle about the importance of actually being part of a community. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Uh, and this is something that I didn't, I, I didn't really realize or grasp the value of it for probably two year, two and a half years, maybe. Um, Camber and I, we would just, you know, we were kind of like, we were on our own little boat, you know, just kind of, just kind of rowing along thinking mm -hmm. that, Hey, we, we, we've got this down. We're going to figure this out. Um, we don't necessarily need to be part of a community. Uh, and then when we went to our first event and met other, and, and this is so silly because I, I've, you know, like I said, I was in motivational speaking and, and one of our principles is like, you surround yourself with the people that you want to be influenced by right? That, that's like one of the, the top principles of, of motivation. It's, um, and so I, I just, I, I think it was because we were doing this as a part-time side hustle from in the beginning and, and just didn't really take it that seriously. Uh, but as soon as we started taking it seriously, our first convention was CVX Live in Utah, and that was a few years back. And we went and met some of our met some other people that are in, that were in the family vlogging community, and built relationships with them. Then started doing collaborations with them. We talked to them about things that were going wrong with their channels, things that were going right. You get tips uh, on on how to improve your content just by just by looking at or hanging out with people. Um, you get advice that. Normally, if you were to hire somebody, some expert, if you were to hire me uh, mm. to, to come and, and break apart your channel, um, you know, you get that kind of value for free by going to it. Well, not, not, you have to pay for the tickets, but you get that <laughs> kind of value and you get to build a community of like-minded people essentially for free just by going to events. And so when you surround yourself with people that are doing the exact same thing that you are doing, then you you really like almost you cut learning curves down because you, you, you learn from everybody else's mistakes and everybody else's wisdom at the same time. So it's mm -hmm. like you get, 
you get like this master class just by hanging out with people that are in the same boat. And that's why it's super important to go to these types of events. And then also, you know, I don't know, I mean, video marketing world, VidSummit, those types of conventions as well, you know, who fly in people like Daryl Leaves and Tim Schmoyer, uh, Roberto Blake, and any of these other top influencers or these it's top trainers on other uh, video marketing uh, platforms or, or, or these other specialists, um, you get to learn from people who are at the top in the industry. And that's invaluable as well. Because watching them, watching them on YouTube is one thing, but hearing them speak in public and then interacting with the people around you, you know, bouncing ideas off each other, or even talking to somebody like Daryl or Tim um, after the convention, that is just, that's cool. invaluable. Just absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so, so a couple of things on, on that. Um, you know, people think that why would you go to a CVX when you're a family vlogger? These are your comp- your competitors which are going to be there. Why would you? Why would they tell you anything? And why would you tell them anything? Are they your competitors? Uh, I know I don't see anybody on YouTube as being a competitor because because honestly, like audiences are shifting and changing all the time and the pie is getting bigger and bigger and bigger every year that new 10 year olds are turning 11 and 12 year olds are turning 13. They're into new, new things, new interests. And so I don't, I don't ever see anybody on YouTube as, as direct competition uh, because the pie is big enough for everybody. And if you, and also if you come into it, that mentality too, then and not stingy about the things that you're talking about or doing, then you're, you're high, you're more highly respected from people in the industry and you end up receiving more invaluable information because of that. If it's the people who are like, no, I'm going to lock, lock down all my thoughts and ideas and everything with a, you know, with a deadbolt and, and it's not going to be, I'm not going to share any information with anybody. Those are the types of people that nobody really ends up hanging out with because they're mm-hmm. not fun. <laughs> you know? but, and, and, and part of the community. Now, one of the big things that we normally kind of encounter is people are saying, look, I'm an introvert. It's amazing how many people on YouTube are actually amazing on camera. But as soon as the camera's off, they retreat to their corner room and they're very happy just being an introvert at home doing their thing. What advice would you give to people who are kind of that, kind of that mindset or afraid to kind of put themselves out there and attend these parties? Is it worth the hassle? Well, in that case, you know, you can do things online. You can jump onto online communities. There, there are a number of YouTube groups on Facebook. Um, there, I mean, there are things that are happening all, all the time where you can kind of build little communities, sub-communities of, uh, of creators. So that way, if you're, if you're more comfortable doing things where you're just like typing things, you're not comfortable being in person, then you can do that. Uh, there's also small influencer groups um, in, you know, all over the world. I mean, we have one here in Texas, as Leron, you know, uh, <laughs> where, you know, last year we were getting, you know, th- there was only maybe eight to 12 people that would come every, every time. And th- that's a small enough group that even an introverts, like, hey, that's not that bad. I could go sit there and hang out with people, you know. Right. Um, or, or you find, you know, you find somebody who's local and just hang out with them and start with one person and add another person to the group. Um, yep. I think that there's, there's so many different ways that you can, you can put yourself out there at different levels and get back what you're looking for. Okay, final points. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. If you were about to start a 
today on YouTube and you only had $100, what would you spend it on? Cool. Well, do you have a camera or not? You have a phone. You have a phone. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. I'm going to pretend that they have a, like a Sam, Samsung Galaxy S8 and up. Uh, or a, yeah, or a, an iPhone yeah. 8 and up, right? Okay. It's a decent phone, decent camera. You're not worried yeah, about yeah. Okay. So cam- camera is taken care of. Where do you put 100 bucks? Okay, well, um, I will tell you, um, gosh, you know, $100. I, <laughs> it's, it's not really a, a lot to do much with cause, because I, I'd say, I was going to say, well, like lighting or audio, but it's like you can take care of all of those things on the cheap by filming mm-hmm. in front of a window or making sure that you have um, – make sure that you're, you know, you're not – directly in front of a, a blowing fan or outside in, in the air. Um, so I, I would say I would probably put a hundred dollars into lighting. So that way I could film at any time of the day. I don't just have to wait till like the perfect time of the day when the sun's not shining in that window, or I could film at night. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'd probably buy a nice little light kit. Maybe I, I'd invest money into an external mic that I could plug into my phone. So that nice. we have a little bit better audio. Um, okay. but I, I would never, ever spend a hundred dollars on, on ads, uh, when oh. you're just launching a channel. I see that all the time. It drives me yes. nuts. People are like, Hey, I'm going to start promoting my channel through ads. I'm like, don't do it. You won't get the yeah. audience you want. They won't watch your videos and you'll end up losing all those subscribers and wasted your money. Never spend money on ads. <laughs> Build organically. Um, so same now. Yes. Same question. If you're just starting on YouTube. And this time you have a thousand dollars. What would you spend it on? Okay, now now we're getting there. I would buy. I would spend. Uh, I'd probably spend six or seven hundred dollars on a nice DSLR camera, like an ADD. Uh, I think ADDs might be too expensive. Like a Canon SL2, um, and uh, and then I would buy a fifty millimeter lens. So that way you've got some really nice, cool depth of field so that way you can have higher quality looking videos. I buy a Rode VideoMic Go so you've got a good um, audio setup and then I buy a light, a light kit as well. And I, I would focus, I would spend all that money, I, well, I'd spend 90% of the money on gear and then I would probably pay somebody on Fiverr to do uh, channel art or banner unless you're savvy with, with uh, um, Photoshop, I would, I would hire somebody to do some nice high quality artwork for your channel. Nice. <laughs> All right, Scott. So as we wrap up, where can people get a hold of you? How can they find more information? This is my plug me time. Go for it. Yeah, Awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I'm on social media. It's at I am Scott Simpson, not I am, but I am like I'm Scott Simpson. And so that's uh, Twitter, Instagram, and then uh, they can find our channel, Scott and Camber. Uh, they can find me on LinkedIn, Scott Simpson. And then my, my personal, my business website is graffiti.com. That's like graffiti without the G. So graffiti, revolutionary graffiti.com. Right. And right. uh, yeah, I'd love to talk to anybody. So Brilliant. Thank you, Scott, for sharing such valuable information with us. It's always great to hear it from someone that's been there and done this. If this is your first time listening to Tube Talk, hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. 
share this episode with someone who's struggling with their YouTube journey and help a friend out. Would love to hear from you as well. So leave us some comments. Let us know what else we should be talking about on Tube Talk. My name is Liron Segev. This has been Tube Talk and we'll catch you on the next episode. Cheers for now. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk brought to you by vidIQ. Head over to vidIQ.com slash Tube Talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video making day.